Hallelujah. 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 Anybody got a Bible with them? On your phone or somewhere? Let's hold it up and make the devil mad. This is a weapon, right? Amen. Well, if you believe that, repeat after me. Say, this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector. Sin deflector. Faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe God and believe that, give the Lord a shout and a hand clap. Amen. You know, I am very excited and honored to be able to speak here today. I think the last time I spoke in this building, I was the first one, I think, to speak in this building, but it was during the pandemic, and it was by that pole right there. This place was pretty much wide open, might have been a wall or two up, and we had to do it online. Uh, but I'm just excited about what the Lord has for these next few weeks, and I'm glad to be a part of it. First of all, we're preaching on the vision of the house, which is connect, use four fingers now, connecting people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Pastor Travis started last week connecting to God, the importance of having a relationship with God and how we want to help as a church to connect people to God, to get them going to church, reading their Bible, praying, and walking in a relationship with the Lord. And then we'll, somebody will talk about connecting to friends, the importance of being a part of a small group, serving with a group of people, going to Bible studies, going to home groups, doing those things where you're sharing your life with other Christians and have a team around you to live this life. And the other one is connecting to ministry. Do you know you all have a ministry? Matter of fact, repeat after me. Say, I am a minister. Does that sound a little strange? It just means servant. And you all have a ministry. You're to be a ministry. If you're a school teacher, that's your job, being a minister on the, at the school. Or whether it's at Cooper Tire, your job's being a minister. And wherever you're at, that's what we're called to do, is, to, is a ministry. And I'm going to share about connecting to the world. What does that mean? It talks about working together to reach the world for Christ, to share his good news, to reach out to people. That's what it means to be connected to the world, to have influence in the world for Jesus Christ. Now, in Mark 16, this is kind of what it means to connect to the world, where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's what it is right there. And these were the last words of Jesus, okay, before he left. Uh, last words of people are very weighty words. They can write books about people's, what the last things they say. And this is the last thing Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the good news to everyone. Okay, so we're going to talk about the word world. Now, I like to use an acronym. That's the way the Lord just speaks to me. And this week, it's the word world. It'll be a, a word for every letter of the word world, okay? And for you, it'll help you have a little handle to take this message home with you. Hope you remember a few things about it. When you think of the word world, maybe you can remember a few of these points. But for me, it's a road map. So I can kind of go down that road and not get sidetracked and start chasing rabbits somewhere. And speaking of chasing rabbits... My dad grew up during the Depression. He was very fast. I see a few people here last night. My dad was so fast. Now, when my, again, during the Depression, they didn't have a lot of ammunition, and my grandpa would go hunting to shoot a rabbit, and, and he'd send my dad out after the rabbit to run along beside it and feel it to see if there's enough meat on it to shoot it or not. That's, that's pretty sad one right there. But that was a shout-out to my dad in Nebraska. I hope you're listening and doing well. Matter of fact, he was fast. I remember him 
racing, he was 50 plus, racing some college guys down our streets of Clay Center, which were brick streets from the WPA back in the Depression where they laid those streets down. And uh, he taught them a lesson back then. Amen. And I got to give another shout out to my daughter, Amanda, my firstborn. Happy birthday. She was born four days after I gave my life to the Lord. And born premature, three months early. The doctor says she wouldn't walk or talk. But guess what? God did a miracle. And just changed the CAT scans and healed her. And I give God glory. Happy birthday, Amanda. Amen. Okay, the first letter of the word world is what? Okay, it stands for witness. Say witness. Okay, we need to be a witness. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. For us, that can mean Texarkana, Texas, United States, and around the world. We need to share the good news. Now, you're probably familiar with the phrase, witnessing for Christ, but you might wonder why we should do it and how we should do it. Witnessing for Christ means simply sharing the experience you have by having a relationship with Jesus, sharing what he's done in your life. That's what witnessing is. A matter of fact, if you were summoned to go to court to be a witness for something, they would sit you down, swear you in, and just ask you, what did you see? What did you experience? What did you witness in this situation? And that's all we need to do for Jesus is tell people what we've seen him do in our lives. It's not like you're up there making the decision whether they're guilty or not. You're not the one that saves somebody, are you? You just witness to them. God's the one that does the saving. Just like when we pray for somebody, you might lay hands on them, you'll pray for them, but guess who's the healer? It's Jesus. You're just the conduit for God to flow through. Amen? When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our first reaction might have been to tell our best friend, our family member, man, this is what God's done in my life. In John 1, uh, 45. That's what Philip did. Immediately after he met the Lord, he found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. To tell others about Christ is the way we witness for him. I remember uh, I gave my life to the Lord at a chapel service in Jacksonville, Florida before a football game, April 14th, 1984. And I gave my life to the Lord and my life began to change. But when I came home, I flew from Jacksonville to San Antonio. I got home late, knocked on the door uh, so my wife would let me in. And I looked at my wife and I said, you're not number one in my life anymore. And I didn't wait very long for a response. I said, Jesus is. And I was all excited. And she just kind of looked at me like, okay. But she saw my life begin to change. You know, why we need to witness for Christ, there's many verses in the New Testament that tell us to be a witness for Christ throughout our life here on this earth. And to explain this, I want to look for, from four different viewpoints, okay? I want to look from God's, I want to look for a believer's viewpoint, from an unbeliever's viewpoint, and from Satan's viewpoint, okay? So first of all, from God's viewpoint, he commands us to do this. He commands us to be a witness, all right? Jesus died on the cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave, rose from the dead, and then told his disciples, again, some last words, Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, that's what he told them to do. Jesus didn't suggest it or recommended it. He commanded them to do it. He commissioned them to go out and preach about him, to spread the good news to all the people in all the world. It's called the Great Commission. We've let it become the Great Omission. And it needs to be something that's the fabric of who we are and what we do. And that's why this church is here, to do that. 
Now, whether you're not feel like, whether you feel like speaking for Christ, it's God's will and commission for us to witness to him everywhere. So that means our preference and our opinion has no place. His word clearly charges us to go and make disciples of all nations. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now from the believer's side, listen to what Jesus tells us, John 15, 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. That means Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, okay? Branches should bring forth life from the vine. So are you connected to God? If so, you should be experiencing the life of Christ flowing in and out of you and from you. His life ought to flow from you. Now, the fruit the Lord's talking about in this particular verse is not the fruit of the Spirit we're talking about in Galatians, the manifestation of the Spirit type of things. But this is about increase in your life. This is about genuine outreach of the gospel. It is to impart Christ into people, causing them to become fruit. So that means the fruit is Christ living through you in your everyday lives, letting people know that we're Christ followers, and then showing and telling them how they can become one. And when you do that, then that is fruit. They become a Christian, and that's fruit on your branches. See, I wondered what it would be like if we're standing in line to get to heaven. And I don't know why you always picture standing in the line, but however that works, what if people in front of you got baskets and you kind of peek in there and this basket's full of fruit and you're thinking, man, I got nothing. You know, that fruit could be all the things they've done for the Lord, all the people they've led to the Lord. Man, I want to have something in my basket to lay before the Lord as an offering. And here, well done, good and faithful service. How many, servant, how many want to hear that? So his intention for grafting us into the vine and becoming his branch is so we could experience, experience and share his life. He doesn't want it to stop there. He wants us to produce fruit and get others connected into his life. Now from the believer's side. First of all, I got a little sinus nose stuff going on. So if I ask you to give the Lord some praise, I want you to praise loud enough you don't hear me blow my nose, okay? <laughs> all right, let's look from the believer's side. Mankind has a desperate spiritual need, all right? The Word of God says that God put eternity in our hearts. That's why there's this desire for this supernatural stuff. There's, that's why people call psychic hotlines, get involved in the occult, because there's something supernatural about us, because there's a spirit inside us that's going to live forever, somewhere we don't see with our natural eyes. Matter of fact, what we see with our natural eyes is less real than the spirit realm which is going to be here for eternity. And it also says in Joel, Joel, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. That means there's all these people out there that don't know God that are walking around with all these decisions, all these questions. Is there a God? Man, is there a reason I'm here on earth? Is there life after death? They're asking all these questions. And guess what? We got the answers. The answer is Jesus. Amen? But listen to what Paul says. This is what our response should be. Romans 1.14. Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Every one of us are debtors. We owe our life to Christ. Without him, we will burn for eternity in the lake of fire. That's real. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. And so maybe we're safe from the fire. Well, what about our family members? What about our friends? What about our coworkers, our neighbors? We need to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to them so they'll not perish, but would believe in him and receive eternal life. You know, if we don't speak about Christ, who will? 
How will they know him? How can they be saved? It says in Romans 10, 14. As a matter of fact, this compels us to share the good news with others. But how can they call on him to save him unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Thank God someone told us we need to tell others. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at it from Satan's side, all right? From his side, his kingdom suffers loss when you witness. Amen? It defeats his strategy of keeping people under his authority. The Lord Jesus needs us to speak the gospel to people so they'll listen. And this, this is what happens in Acts 26. To open their eyes so they'll turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they'll receive forgiveness of their sins and given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Literally, if they don't know Jesus, their eyes have blinders over them. I mean, they're under the influence of the enemy. That's, why do people act like that? Why do you, some family members that know Joe Jesus, what's going on? I mean, there are spiritual demonic forces that have them blinded and trying to control their lives. Amen? See, when we speak to others and they confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, like in Colossians, it says, they're delivered out of the authority of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of the sun. How many have been glad you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Amen? Every time a person receives the gift of salvation, another captive of Satan is released. No wonder we struggle sometimes to open our mouths for, for Christ. I mean, Satan, who is God's enemy, opposes our speaking because when people believe in Christ, Satan's kingdom suffers loss. Amen? I, I'm telling you, we need to make it hard to go to hell from Texarkana. We really do. Amen? Okay, the O in the word world is offer hope. Colossians 1.27. Pastor Travis shared this scripture last week when he preached. It says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Another version says this, for God wanted them to know that the riches of glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Christ is in us. That ought to give you some insurance. And what are we supposed to do? Share his glory. What's his glory? His glory is his goodness. So what do you share? You share the good things God's done in your life. I'm telling you, at work, they should get so tired of you coming in every day. Man, God's so good. You know what he did this week? Man, he blessed me. I went to Slotsky's. Literally, I did last night. And I got the two for a meal where you get a salad and you get a half a sandwich. I got the whole sandwich. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? I like food miracles. I'm telling you, that's one of my favorite miracles. But you can even go through a tough time. See, and they know it. And yet they look at you and you say, man, I, I know this is a tough week, but, you know, praise God. I know he's going to get me through this. He's given me a peace in the midst of this storm. Man, there's so many ways we can give God glory and tell about his goodness. Amen. Matter of fact, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That'll give you some encouragement and some enthusiasm. As a matter of fact, the word enthusiasm is two Greek words. In meaning within and theos meaning God. Literally, God within. He's in us. Let it come out. He don't want to be caged up in there. Amen? No matter what you're going through. And you could be in a little dark or discouraging spot right now. But I got some good news. If that Christ in you hope will come out of you, it'll help you to hang on. It'll help you to believe for breakthrough. It'll help you to get up to this altar afterwards and agree with somebody for that breakthrough to come to your life. That Christ in you hope of glory. 
And I can pretty much prophesy this to you. This week, you will come across somebody that'll be in a dark place. Somebody that'll have a question, need an answer, need some encouragement, need some good news. And you need to let that Christ in you hope come out in the form of a prayer. Come out in the form of a good deed. Come out in the form of an invitation to church. We got these little invitations. They're powerful little tools. They got the simple plan of salvation on the back. But one of these could be the difference between heaven and hell for somebody. Matter of fact, I told the ushers and people, put these, when people leave, have these baskets out there so they'll trip over. Block the doorways. So you got to take some of these with you. Okay? Invite, invite, invite. Very simple thing. Now, let's go to the letter R in the word world. It stands for right living. Say right living. Okay, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to the cross, to the cross can be other Christians not living Christ-like. Isn't that a shame that it's that way? I pray I'm not that. But I begin to think back about my early walk with the Lord, how I asked the Lord in my life, but I had this feeling there's got to be more because I just wasn't witnessing it all. I wasn't, I was still kind of following some of the crowd doing things I knew I shouldn't have and I kept thinking that. Matter of fact, I finally got up the courage and I witnessed to, we were on a away game and I witnessed to one of the other football players, one of the other defensive backs and I kind of walking along with him and I said, man, you need to become a Christian. He just stopped, looked at me and said, why should I become a Christian? You're no different than me. It was kind of a slap in the face. And the Lord began to challenge me in several areas because basically my lifestyle was drinking, cussing, and chewing. I mean, I was just part, it wasn't things I did. It was really, it was kind of my lifestyle. And it's amazing how the Lord can just have a way, if you're willing, to follow him and let go of some things and die to the old self, that he'll just, it might be a message on it. Somebody that week might say something. You might read an article. It's just amazing. You know, uh, the cussing, it was bad. My wife was worse, believe it or not. I don't know why, but really. My lovely wife of 40 years this next weekend. Come give me a kiss. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here, I love you. My bucket list was to make out during the message. So, She even chewed for about 30 seconds before she spit it out and about threw up. But the cussing, I mean, that, the Lord just, it, it just went. It was just amazing how things changed. Uh, the chewing took a while, and it was just, and the reason it made it so easy, uh, when you play pro football, first of all, they comp a lot of stuff. And in the locker room, there were just rolls of Copenhagen and Skull. You just grab and take it. And then you'd practice, of course. It was a daily do- job. You'd go practice on the field. But most of the time, you're in meetings. You're watching film from every practice. The, cuss, the, the uh, coaches were cussing at you, telling you you did this wrong, that wrong. You know, and you're sitting, so you just chew tobacco and just kind of pass the time away. And... It's amazing how the Lord would bring things up. One of my buddies, his mom would send him letters, and he'd show me, and it would be a picture of somebody who had tongue cancer or lip cancer, and her tongue and her lip would be gone. And, and it would, we'd laugh at it a little bit, but it'd stick with you. And then a little later, I'd heard about it, and then my stomach started bothering me. And I started thinking, okay, Lord, it's time. I, it's hard to witness to somebody when you're whatever. So... I, the Lord delivered me from that. 
you know, the drink, and, and let me read the scripture first of all, okay? If you don't have your steel-toed boots on. First, First Corinthians 7, 35. And I say this to you for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Okay, don't, I'm, this is something the Lord dealt with me about, okay? This is not about you. I'm not telling you what your standards are. Uh, this is for your, I don't want you to be distracted. It is amazing sometimes how many people won't serve or do something because of something in their life. Man, just come serve. We got areas you can serve and just get to serving and then we'll believe with you the Lord will deliver you from whatever. The drinking. Little did I know months later that I would be asked to be involved in a ministry called Sports World Ministries where athletes would go throughout the United States speaking on drug and alcohol prevention. That would be a good thing not to be drinking if you're doing that. And I can guarantee you this without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, I know I wouldn't be married for 40 years if my wife and I would have continued to drink. Those are some of the biggest arguments back early. And with me, I just remember uh, the Lord began to deal with me and kind of challenge me. And I was floating around on an inner tube in a lake in San Antonio, you know, just kind of drinking away, having a good day, chilling. And I had this feeling like, okay, I don't like this feeling anymore. I don't like being under the influence of something else. What is DUI? Driving under the influence. And I said, okay, Lord, that's it. And I just had that thought, Jesus, at the Last Supper, you said you're not going to taste of this vine, this wine again until we're in heaven and have our big marriage supper. And so, Lord, if you can do that, give me grace to do it. And I'm telling you, not again. That's been however long, 30 plus years. So praise God. And again, for some of you, again, I'm not putting a leash on you, but for some of you, it's going to lead you down a road that's going to cost you. My best friend in high school, we would hang out, you know, work on cars. He had a Challenger. I had a 442. We'd race and do things and drink constantly, doing this and that. It was just a thing you did in a small town. Well, thank God the Lord got me on a different road. He had an encounter with the Lord, but he never did shake drinking, and it killed him. It killed him. It, first, it took everything from him, his job, his family, and then his liver quit. And it was a couple years ago, and he's no longer here. So anyhow, again, that was, that was me. But here's something you can do. Because there's some things in the Bible that are very black and white when it comes to sin or things that can cause harm to you. Uh, do not murder. Everybody agree with that one? Do not steal. Do not lie. Those are very black and white. Sexual sins are very black and white in here. And not that they're greater sins, but the Bible says they have greater consequences and can cause hurt in a lot of emotional hurt in a lot of areas. But there's areas that are kind of gray. Well, well, Lord, what about this? What about that? I don't really see it in the Bible. Here's three questions I learned to ask myself. Number one, whatever it is you ask, does it glorify God? Sometimes, maybe yes, maybe no. You can kind of talk around that one. So does it glorify God? Number two, is it good for me? That's the one with the chewing that, and tobacco in general. It's just proven. And we got people that stand up in here and give a testimony that are on oxygen tanks or COPD or whatever, or lost a loved one. Is it good for you? The third one, and this is the one that would usually get me. Does it cause a brother to stumble? 
Can it hinder somebody else from coming to Christ? Could it hinder some young Christian and cause them to stumble seeing what you're doing? And here's the scripture for that, Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And it's talking about food offered to idols, but it's much bigger than that. All food is clean, but is it wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble? Is it better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall? Does it glorify God? Is it good for me? Will it cause a brother to stumble? Just use that. Because the Lord's for you. He wants to help you. This is not a list of rules of do's and don'ts. No, this is a love letter we've gotten from God. And it's a book of success. He says, if you do this, you'll be successful. If you let go of this, your life's going to be a whole lot better. Amen? Amen. Trust him. Okay, the, word, the letter L in the word world is love. Say love. That is what should motivate us to reach people. The love of God that was shed in our bra, in heart in our hearts and changed us, that love ought to motivate us. As a matter of fact, uh, it motivated Paul. Just think of what he went through for a minute. You know, sometimes we'll try, so we'll step out from God and, for God and hit a wall and we'll just back up. We just kind of give up. We go back to the wilderness, go back to our old ways. Listen to what Paul went through. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the city, in the deserts, on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothes to keep me warm. You just take cold and hungry and you can eliminate me right there. I'm not a good person to be around. Anybody else? But think, that didn't stop Paul at all, did it? And just think about the things sometimes that stop us, that keep us from being a witness. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, it says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have also died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You know, if this Jesus thing is not working for you, it's probably because you just tried to add him to your old life. You try, you know, you just kept doing your thing. Well, I'll add a little Jesus to it. Maybe that'll help. Jesus is not something you try. He's not Burger King. You can have him your way. It's you got to die to self. You got to be willing to let go of those things and follow him. I tell you, and I know this because I spent a time on the fence in the world and out of the world. That's an uncomfortable place to be. I just said, Jesus, you know, come along, get in the back seat. Come along with me. If I got in trouble, you know, then, hey, I need your help. Then there was a time, okay, Jesus, you really do need to take the wheel. You need to drive and lead my life, and I need to leave that stuff behind and trust you. I'll go on in verse 18. This is all a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
That might be the only thing you need to tell a family member, member or somebody. Just look at him. Man, come back to God and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. You don't know what it'll take. Matter of fact, in this room, how many are honest enough to say, I need to come back to God? Just hold your hand up here. God bless you. Amen. That's what it's about. Just being honest. Amen. To say, God, I need to come back. And you know why you feel that? Because you got in the presence of the Lord. And he's here. And he's reminded you, I'm for you, not against you. That I love you so much, I sent my son. I have a plan for you. Let's give God glory on that one. Matter of fact, a real loud glory. Amen. <laughs> So Christ's love compels us. We're ministers of reconciliation. If they ask you what your job is, say, I'm an MOR. I'm a minister of reconciliation. We're all ministers. Amen? Okay. The other good part about this is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's how much he loves us, how much he wants to have a relationship with us. God wishes that none should perish in all to come repentance. When we share God's love... What he did for us, we share that to others, that connects us to the very heart of God. That's his heart. Okay, the last letter is the letter D. Say doors. doors. And it stands for doors knock on them, okay? What's your excuses for not sharing the gospel? What's your obstacles? Maybe you say, well, I can't communicate very well. I'm afraid or fear of rejection. Or maybe you say, I don't know the product. Lovely wife, Vanna. Let's say I'm a salesman. Now, you guys, ever, ladies are here this morning or last night. Don't help them any. Let's say I'm a salesman. I'm walking along. I got something I'm going to sell, knock on your door. I got my nice pink little bag here. And I knock on your door, but I don't know what it is. But it's going to help their life. So how would, what would description, what would you tell them if you wanted to sell this product, how it's going to just revolutionize their life? It's what? You have to know it? Yeah, but you want to describe it. What's, what's this going to do for you? What? It's good for you. What else? What? It'll heal you. Healing power. Anybody else? It's free. Well, that one's not true. People are standing in line for this stuff, won't they? You get the idea, right? You need to know your product. You need to know Jesus, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Man, put yourself in a position that's what it was connecting to God that Pastor Travis preached about. We've got all these great Sunday schools that have just started up, and we got the rooms to be able to do it in. Give God glory for that. Amen. We got our Connect class to tell you how to read your Bible and pray and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We got the Spirit Filled Life class that'll tell you about the power to be a witness and how to receive the Holy Spirit. We got a Freedom class. We got Walk Through the Bible. That's just a few of the things, not counting Wednesday nights. Put yourself in a position to grow. Pastor, Trav, Pastor Cole preached to the men and really challenged us uh, yesterday morning that we need to love the, Lord with, love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That we need to love him with our mind and really grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ and be able to explain to others about him. Talking about a salesman, in 1954, there was a salesman that went to his boss and said, give me the most dilapidated part of Portland, Oregon, the people the other salesmen won't go to, and let me try there. Let me have that area, because this guy was a little hesitant even letting him be a salesman. And why is that? Because he was born with cerebral palsy. 
He had this slouch. He had a withered hand. He had haltered speech. As a matter of fact, it took him three hours at times to get dressed and he had to have help, people help button up his shirt and tie his shoes. But that didn't stop Bill Porter. He would go door to door, sometimes getting door slammed in his face. Sometimes they'd say no, but he'd go to every door, never skip a door. And he became one of their top salesmen for Watkins. That was a product they'd go home to home, sell vanilla, home products, all sorts of things. And he got so good that he would speak at their national conventions. And he would speak, not because he'd like to speak, but because that would help fund his job of being a salesman. He just loved to talk to people and go to doors and help them because he believed in the product. Let's watch a short little video here from Bill Porter, who passed away in 2013 at the age of 81. Bill says he doesn't remember thinking negatively about his condition. He is blessed with inheriting a philosophy from his parents that believes in focusing on the future, not dwelling on the past. Bill often said, what you see is what you get. It doesn't stop me from accomplishing whatever I set my mind to. Doors have played a big part in Bill Porter's life. So many have been closed to him that he could have become a bitter man. But he has a secret key forged by his steel will and a spirit that can't be broken. You go to the employment agency day after day. Yeah, day after day. But nobody would hire me. Refusing to give up, he sat down to learn more about the products he was selling. Perhaps if I learned more about these Watkins products, he told himself, I could really believe in them and share that belief with others. A reporter for the Portland Oregonian named Tom Holman thought there might be a story in it. And I remember finally on a, the day, on a Saturday, calling him at home saying, just let me come over and introduce myself to you and, and tell you what I want to do. For those customers that were adamant, I'm not interested in anything, how did you convert them? Basically, he says he just kept going back. And do you hear the word no? No, you <laughs> He doesn't hear the word no. What does no mean to you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a disguised yes. <laughs> Amen, amen. Isn't that powerful? If you just learn about the product, believe in it, man, that's what we need to do. Amen? You know, we're all in sales. And as Christians, we sell something that's priceless, eternal. We can learn a lot from Bill Porter's attitude and spirit. And when I talk about doors, it's Revelations 3.20. Jesus says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and we will eat together. In other words, I'll come into your life. We'll have relationship together. So how does God knock on the doors of our heart? In most cases, he used somebody else that knows him. In my case, it was Doc Ira Eshelman. He was a man that, an older man that started all the chapel services in the Canadian Football League and the NFL and he happened to be speaking to the chapel service I was at at that day. And he shared how God loved me and had a plan for my life. And all the time he was speaking, God was knocking at the door of my heart. But here's what's interesting about this door in your heart. It only has a handle on the inside. There's no knob on the outside to open it up. In other words, God's not going to open that door. He's not going to force his way into your life. You have to choose to you open that door. April 14, 1984, I opened that door by raising my hand and asking Christ into my life, repeating a prayer after him. And when I did that, my life began to change. 
I began to have a peace that I didn't have that I wasn't finding anywhere else. I began to have more of a purpose in my life. And so it was amazing uh, what God did in my life by somebody knocking on the door of my heart. You know, as you go through life, you need to knock on some doors. Man, I would not pass up a door. Bill Porter didn't pass up a door whether there was a car in the driveway or not. And to me, when you knock on a door, that's, that's a good way to kind of test the water. You just knock on the door. Man, how you doing today? Oh, you wouldn't believe what I'm going through. Oh, tell me about it. That's a door. That's a hungry one there. Or they might say something else. You might think, you know, I might just need to pray for them a while. Let's kind of hold off. But just knocking on some doors, testing that water, seeing how they feel. Because you never know. Each door could be a heart that needs healing. Each door could be maybe a soul that needs saving. A family that needs to be restored. You don't know what's on the other side of that door, what they're needing. And you could be that answer. You could be that Christ in you hope that could spring up. But I want Zach and Cole to come up here. And, you know, in my life, I shared how I was at that chapel service. I asked Christ into my life. And because of that, I was saved. My life, my, I was raised Lutheran. My wife was raised Catholic. And she saw the change in my life. And she stepped into a personal relationship with the Lord. And it was shortly after that, uh, we came on staff at church and uh, been here over 32 years, was youth pastor 16 years. So we have four children, three girls and a son named Michael. And well, I better say the other girls, Amanda, Jessica, and Mariah. Mariah might be here today and Tate. But anyhow, we raised our kids in church. And whoever was there helped us do that. They were at every youth event, every church event. They were always there, so they knew about the gospel. And I know my son knew Jesus, but I think it was when he was about 17 or so, uh, he went to Redwater High School, and him and his friend David Walls decided they're going to sell fireworks and make some money. And they got the spot at Arkadelphia right along the interstate where they put a big tent up, and I took my tent, and they lived in this little tent selling fireworks. And not knowing who might come up to that tent in the middle of the night, uh, wanting something or whatever. But at this time, my son was reading a book by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. And if anybody knows that, it's a story, a fictional story, but it's about the demonic realm and how the demons have influence and try to get you to do this and that and are fighting against you. So he's on the edge of his sleeping bag, you know, reading this book. And he had a come to Jesus moment, you know, in the middle of nowhere, but just real, uh, more of awareness of the spirit realm. And he really started to get on fire for the Lord. And I'm going to kind of stop there and Cole or Zach, tell us uh, how you came to the Lord. Uh, you know, for several years throughout high school, I, I really ran kind of in the other direction away from God. And uh, Michael, Pastor Mike's son, was actually a good buddy of mine. We played football together, ran track together. And uh, we, we had just been friends for a long time. I knew that he was a pastor's son. And he would try to get me to come to church with him all the time. And finally, I guess uh, we went to Redwater High School. And Redwater's one-act play was doing a one-act play for the Christmas party here at the church. It was in the old powerhouse across town, and he said, man, uh, won't, you, won't you come with me, uh, you know, bring a friend or whatever, and I'll get you in for free and just come and hang out, and he, he said that he'd get us in for free, but I'm pretty sure the whole event was free either way, so <laughs> he was just trying to, like, convince us to come, and 
so we, we went and, and I think he knew that if I would just come in the door that it would maybe make me feel a little more comfortable about coming to church so the next week after the you know we watched the play and all that he, he hit me hit me up again and was just like man why don't you come on a Wednesday night and just come and see how youth group is and I mean, I was reluctant to do it, but I, I felt comfortable. I'd already kind of been there before, so I went the next week. And over the next several weeks, I felt like God really started doing something in my heart and in my life because I, I knew that I was running away from what God had for me. Like, I, I really was. I was running in the, in the other direction. And so there's so many milestones that I can think of in that old building across town where, I, you know, I lifted my hands for the first time in worship and the presence of God just dropped in that place, you know, or uh, just little prayers down at the altar call where you made a covenant to God that you would never go back, you know, just these little things started happening in my life, and and I can kind of trace it all back to that moment where Michael, he kind of tricked me into coming to church because he was passionate about getting his friends there, and, uh, you know, several years later, you know, we're still buddies and all that, but he would tell me about how often he would pray for me that God would do something in my heart and that he would draw uh, draw me close. And man, I'm so thankful that, that he did that, that he did whatever he had to do to get me into church. And man, that was 15 years ago almost now, which is, which is crazy, so. Amen. Amen, yeah. You know, during this whole season where God was working on Zach's heart, if you didn't know, Zach and I are brothers, by the way. Uh, but God was working on his heart. I, I really wasn't aware of it. He was a junior in high school. That means I was in seventh grade and I was very, very worldly for a seventh grade kid. And uh, so the funny thing during this season is Zach really started being interested in wanting to go to church. And you know, when you're in junior high, you can't drive. And so I just had to ride everywhere that my brother went. And so um, I didn't want to go to church at all. I normally would ask Zach, I think, to drop me off at home, but he wouldn't. He would just drive to church on Wednesdays. And so I went to Powerhouse for a little season where I just did not want to be there, but I just, I didn't have any other option. And so I went off and on. And I remember we got close to doing an event that we call Impact Weekend. We go and stay at the church. Zach told Pastor Travis, which was our youth pastor at the time, that I was going to go. I didn't want to go, but I didn't have the guts to tell Pastor Travis that I wasn't going to go when he asked me. So so I wound up going to Impact Weekend, and the very first night, uh, Pastor Mike was there, and he was preaching and did an, an awesome job presenting the gospel. But for the first time in my life, you know, I'd been to church so many times, I began to sense the presence of God. I began to be convicted about how I was living, that I realized that I was in need of a Savior. And just as I was sitting there, I just knew God was burning up my heart, and I knew that it was time for me to surrender my life to him. And so as Pastor Mike began to do the altar call, he wasn't even finished. And I was already at the altar, just lifting my hands because I desired God to transform my life uh, in, in a powerful way. And, and I do wanna highlight this as well. You know, many of us in this room have even said a prayer before in a church, but it's about much more than a prayer, but it's about truly surrendering your life Amen. to him in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so that day is when I made that decision and it forever changed my life. And even that night or the next day, we were in another youth service and I felt like God told me to go to school and lead a Bible study on campus. I'd been saved for a day. <laughs> I was unequipped. I didn't know what I was doing, but I said yes and said, Lord, I'm gonna take whatever you've given me and I'm gonna try to use it for your kingdom. And I believe that's what God's speaking to many of us here today. So, Amen. 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 And give God glory. Amen.
you know, thank God that guy spoke into my life. My son said something. But I want you to think a minute. How many people could be lined up behind Zach that he's influenced and had, a, and, and those people, and then Cole. Man, I, the, the stream of people and young people that he's maybe helped find the Lord in a relationship. And you never know who that one person could be, do you? It's like nuclear fission. That's when an atom splits and it hits another atom and it splits and hits another atom and it splits. And pretty soon there's this chain reaction and there's power produced that's amazing. And it, you just never know who that one person is. I mean, last service, we had one person raise their hand. That's how much God loves somebody. If this whole building was here just for that reason, and this one service was here, what God's willing to do to chase us down and tell us he loves us. Man, thank you, guys. Give one more hand. Are you glad they're serving here? Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. You know, as we, as we wind up, first of all, it's not that hard. You just share the good things. You can invite him to church. Those are two easy things to do if you want to go a step further. Lead them to the Lord. It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit. B, believe. C, confess. Just remember that. Get them to admit they're a sinner. Get them to believe on the Lord Jesus and confess Jesus as Lord. You can use the Romans road. I got this Bible. It's got four tabs in it. You can just open it up to tab number one, Romans 3.23, and just let them read it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then close it before they read anymore. Say, what's that saying to you? Let them talk about it. Then you go to tab number two. And it's the one, um, God demonstrated his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And then you go to the next one, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then you go to Romans 10, 9, that if you confess the Lord with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. And you, you don't even have to talk. You can just let them witness and let the Holy Spirit do it. There's all kinds of ways, but more than a plan, you need the power to be a witness. I'll go back and close with this last scripture that I started with. The first one, Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You know, I shared my story how I was, uh, I was a Christian, but I thought there was more of God and, and I really wasn't witnessing. I was in a Bible study and little did I know that I was in a football league that was going to end. It was a USFL. I was in San Antonio. It was going to come to a close. I didn't know that in this Bible study, I wouldn't see these guys again after this last Bible study. And what were we talking about? But we were going through Acts talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, talking about speaking in tongues and being filled with the Spirit. And for a Lutheran, that wasn't anything I'd really heard about. But I, I was hungry for something. The last Bible said to the guy sitting beside me, his name's Danny Bugs, played with the Washington Redskins. He put his hand on me, looked at me and said, you're wanting more of God, aren't you? I just kind of ducked my head and thought, how did he know this? How, is he, how do you know this? And he started to pray that I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, which didn't scare me. But what I remember is, the power and the presence of God was so strong, I just began to cry. I mean, just floods, water just coming out. I was just crying. The presence of God was so strong. And it was just confirming the fact that, man, this is what I need. This is what I'm missing. I went home that night and said, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And immediately, I got the scripture because I had been around some people that said, that tongues was just back for the disciples. Then I was around another group of people that said, them tongues, they from the devil. Mama said, that from the devil. And 
But then in this Bible study, there's a scripture, Luke 11, 11. If you ask your earthly father for a fish, he wouldn't give you a snake. If you ask him for an egg, he wouldn't give you a scorpion. How much more if you ask your heavenly father for the gift of the Holy Spirit, would he give it to you? I said, okay, Lord, if this is from you, I want it. And I prayed, asked for it. In my case, I got a thought other than English, and I spoke it out loud. And then I got more of it. I got what's called my prayer language. I was able to pray when my, without my mind and pray with my spirit directly to God. That gift is available for all of us, for your sons, for your daughters, for many of them as far off. If you want to know more about that or you want that gift, when we close in just a moment, come up and let somebody pray with you. A lot of times they'd lay hands on people and you'd receive that gift. Or if you're not to that place yet, go to our Spirit-Filled Life class. It's on a, it's a, a class that's based on the book from Robert Morris, who was a Baptist preacher, and he wrote a book, The God I Never Knew, the part of God he didn't know and understand and how it changed his life. That gift's available for you. But as I close, one last question. How many times did I say as I close? The last 30 minutes? No. I, let me ask you that question somebody asked me when they knocked on the door of my heart. If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? That was the one that really got me. And then he, he said, you know, we all have a hole in our life. It'll never be filled with sports and cars and girls or with money, whatever. The only thing that has satisfied that is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said enough of those things and to realize that I had to ask Christ in my life. He gave me the opportunity to raise my hand and repeat a prayer. And by doing that, I was opening the door of my heart and letting God come in and change me from the inside out. I never regretted that. If you're here today, you either need to come back to God or you've never asked Christ into your life and you want to invite him in. You want him to be your Lord and Savior. You're willing to stop doing things your way and get him out of the back seat or wherever he's at and really get him in charge of your life. Repent and begin to follow him. If that's you and you want to ask Christ in your life, I want you to raise your hand so we can say a prayer together. Somebody already raised their hand earlier. So don't be afraid to raise it again. Anybody need to get right with God? Amen, God. There you go. God bless you. Give her a hand. You see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm telling you, this is an exciting time. We love you. God bless you. Well, let's do this. When we get ready, they're going to play. When we stand to our feet, I want those that raised their hand or thought about raising their hand to come meet me and Pastor Cole at the cross. We want to pray with you and give you a little booklet to help you on this walk. Anybody else, whatever you need, when you leave, grab those invites and take them with you because isn't this a great facility? But it's a great responsibility God's blessed us with. We need to fill this place up. I mean, more than three services. Overflow. Fill it up. Texarkana is hungry for Jesus. Amen? So let's do our part. Start to serve. Get involved in the clinic. Help be a part of this great harvesting machine so we can see people come to Jesus. Because I'm telling you, when I look at Zach, every one of you that helped build Powerhouse, the old one, had a part to play in that. Everyone that served in the youth and helped them... Uh, you know, do all the things we did in the youth. Help do that. And on and on in all this building. It's all part of fruit in your basket. And we give God glory for that, don't we? Amen. Come on, stand on our feet. One more hand clap. Altar team, come up. They'll pray with you about anything. If you want more power to be a witness, if you raise your hand to get things right with God, meet Pastor Cole over here at the cross.